Welcome to This Fleeting Breath, the podcast where a bunch of pastors get together and discuss the news of the week and the sermons that they heard on Sunday morning. This is Jesse Ramsey. And I'm Heath Chambers. Let's go to the basement. Welcome to This Fleeting Breath. I'm here with Brother Randy, a senior pastor here at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, and Brother Jesse, who is our worship pastor here at Lincoln Avenue. Uh, and this, this uh, evening we wanted to take some time and talk about... Um, the Southern Baptist Convention, with which both uh, Brother Randy and Brother Jesse, along with their wives, got to attend this year. Uh, both of you the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, so we're going to get some perspectives from them. We're going to talk about some things. I have some questions lined up for them. Um, so we'll go ahead and get started uh, with the first question, and this is really for uh, whoever wants to, to lean in. Um, tell me, what is the convention like? From for somebody who is, you know, obviously I've never been. I know many of our members have never been. What is the what is the convention like in your own words? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. It's exciting, uh, you know, just like a lot of activity. You know, there's a lot of movement. Um, so there's that. It's exciting. It's um, um, the, at times it was very intense. Um, you know, things at points during some of the messenger times, uh, you know, you could tell it was very contentious. Um, and walking around outside, that was honestly the weirdest part to me. It was so oppressive. I mean, it was just so like weird walking around outside, just right at the entrance to the convention center. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there were people passing out trash mags and, and, you know, street preachers sending everybody to hell and that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, it was just, it, it was, I, you know, I, the first day we walked up and they had, I, could, I went on about it for like six hours. I mean, that's all I could think about was them handing me that trash mag about, you know, everything that was wrong with the SBC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, you know, Randy kind of bust my bubble on that. And, and basically that was nothing but political um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just, you know, yeah. jargon. propaganda. Propaganda, political propaganda. That's all that was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's just, it, that part of it was, was very sad to me to see the church being abused like that. Cause that's what that is. I mean, it just, yeah. it was, you know, but anyways. Tell me about like, so you're in a convention center. How many people are we talking <laughs> Man, I mean, so so going back to your original question, big, yeah. big, yes. And you got to understand, Jesse and Wendy and Lori and I. It's our first convention ever, yeah. so it's going to be big no matter what. But it was the biggest in twenty five years, right? And so you could never be in enough places at once. Mm-hmm. There is a convention hall that is where all of the parliamentary parliamentary procedures take place. And then there's so many other areas. There's surrounding church churches in the community that are also housing everyone. Um, but once, so like, so Jesse's dead on on the outside. But once you walked in, there was a presence of goodness. Mm-hmm. The exhibition hall was, which, you know, you got a lot of vendors and they're trying to sell stuff and uh, a lot of college reps and everything. But it was just very edifying and encouraging once you were in, mm-hmm. uh, worship was great in the 
in the main hall, you know, uh, the same place that we would vote on things, the same place we worshiped. Um, so it was, it was just a roller coaster of emotions, mm. yeah. and especially two guys that didn't know what they were doing, and their wives were like, "What are we doing next?" And, yeah. and but between the four of us, we were all leaning on one another to know really what we yeah. got to go do next. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was really cool. That would be the other thing. It was very fast paced. There was no downtime. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking with Edwin uh, today actually about being in Nashville, and of course you're there, and you think you you know you want to see some things and do some things, and really that. That very first morning we were there for like a couple of hours was really the only downtime we had. Yeah. And then it was the rest of the time. It, it was sun up till sundown, you know, yeah. barely getting anything to eat, being hangry and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and stressed out. So, yeah. so, you, was, so you would say you feel uh, it's, it's hectic, it's large, but mm-hmm. you feel sort of a sense of, of camaraderie. And also, is there is there a sense of, of weightiness of importance to what's happening as you enter is there like a uh in the parliamentary part as a messenger i felt like i could never represent our church well enough mm-hmm. i was discouraged with men myself that i was not informed more and i feel like i'm a pretty informed person yeah um because i felt like that you know and I know Jesse probably feels the same way, and Wendy and Lori, we, we felt we were representing Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. And so, yeah, it was very heavy on that. Yeah. The non-voting areas was not heavy. It was a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you knew you were never going to get to see it all. But, yeah, and when it comes to voting and all the information that they were throwing at us and yeah. everything and... You just did the best that you knew how to do. Yeah. And I know we've had conversations as, as a staff of just, you know, how much we desire, you know, to, to have more representation. That's right. Uh, I think we have, what, eight? Do we have eight messengers? Yeah, currently we, we as a church, are, we have eight messengers that are, that are allowed to go. Mm-hmm. We could send 50 people, but we don't have eight messengers. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with what that might mean at home. Eight messengers means that, uh, you know, based on our cooperative giving and everything else, that's how many votes we have when it comes down to time for a vote. Mm-hmm. And so, and then of course that has to be tied to a person. Randy and I weren't allowed to, to throw up two votes with, along with Lori and Wendy. It's, you know, one, ver- per, one vote per person. Yeah. And in then a, person. In, in person. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, the way it is. And that is to me, that was one of my biggest takeaways. And I, you know, had said it several times to Randy that we have got to start taking our members more seriously because it, it was very sad that it was, it was so huge. It's so huge. It's hard to, to say that there weren't enough people there. It's so big because there were, you know, like 16 or 17,000 people there. It's huge. Of messengers. Yeah, yeah that, there were more people than that there, but actually messengers that were there to vote, yeah. 17,000, something like that, 16,000, I can't remember exactly. There's 50,000 churches yeah. in the conference. There's 50,000 churches. So that's, um, you know, and there were churches there that might have, what, Randy, maybe 30 or 40 messengers, sure. yep. mm-hmm. you know, and they were there. You know, the churches that, that had the big numbers of votes, they, they were there to support. And I, I think that's something that, that all churches need to take seriously. If it's one vote, if it's one messenger, yeah. if it's 45, I think they all need to be 
I agree. Okay. So, so in the coming, you know, months, you may be approached by one of us and talk to about, you know, being a part of, of the messengers that we send. I think next year is in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you may be, you may be, have the opportunity to experience all this for yourself. Let's move on mm -hmm. um, to our second question here because I want to talk about this as something that's, you know, near and dear to our hearts here at Lincoln Avenue, especially with um, Mark and Courtney leaving a few months ago to join the IMB. Um, talk to me about um, the SIN conference. Talk to me about the IMB's presence there. Um, I know you had to specifically sign up for the SIN conference. Can you both just talk a little bit about what that experience was like uh, for each of you? Sure. Um, well, of course, I loved it. That was definitely more of like the the praise and worship music side of the of the conference they had music throughout um, but that night particularly there was you know more emphasis on music and worship and and so that was that was neat and and it was very humbling it was very humbling um, it was uh, you know it was it was a very somber mm -hmm. and you know what was uh, probably you know they would bring the little families up and it might be a husband and wife. It might be just a wife or just a wife. It might be just a lady. It might be just a, a guy, um, you know, whatever. And they would bring them up in front of this little screen and they would introduce themselves. They would tell kind of where they did it by like territories, like, you know, these people are going to be in this region. Um, and so Let me just interrupt because I don't think I did a good job. The oh, SIN conference is Oh, what? sorry. They're sending the missionaries. Yep. That's the international. 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 That's yep. the, the IMB's send. They send missionaries right, Randy, every two months. Is that correct? I think that's what I think that's the case, yeah. So every two months they have a group of missionaries go on to the field and whatever missionaries it just so happens to be at this time are the ones that get to participate in the SIN conference. So that's why Mark and Courtney were not introduced. Yeah. They'd already done their they were already on the field. Kind of and there might draw. there might be opportunities when they might be in say they may be in on furlough, then they might get to, to participate then because they there were a couple like that also. That's cool. Um, but just the, when they would bring them up in front of this screen and they would get to, they would introduce themselves and then like maybe five or 10 into it, we got to this whole block or maybe it was a few more than that. I can't remember, but we got to this whole block of people where you could hear voices talking, but you couldn't see anybody. And there were silhouettes of people, um, in front of these screens or behind these screens where they were going into, you know, a, a territory or an area where they can't proclaim. Mm. And so it was... It was heavy, yeah. you know what I mean, knowing that here we are putting these people on display, possibly. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, yeah, it was it was very it's very humbling. It was, it, you know, it was it was an emotional trip, the whole thing, you know, from start to finish. It's, but um, yeah, it was it was just a sweet time. I mean, it was it was so encouraging and and the different backgrounds of the people yeah. uh, was what was so... The amount of women. Yeah, mm -hmm. single women. So uh, one thing I did say wrong was the SIN conference is NAM and IMB, okay. but the sending of missionaries was International Mission Board. Yeah, uh, Dr. Chitwood and um, Kevin Azell were leading the conference. It started on Sunday night, which mm -hmm. is was all worship and fun. It was very fun. And Monday afternoon was actually the sending of the missionaries. 
And it was a roller coaster of emotions for Lori and I. Yeah. Um, Wendy was on down from me and Jesse, so I, I can't speak for them. Uh, but, you know, I cannot help but to think with Mark and Courtney. Yeah, because they did. I mean, it's literally somebody else's Mark and Courtney. It's Some somebody else's church. Mark and Courtney. Yeah. And then, you know, they'd be a single or whatever. And I, I know Lori was thinking about Dylan. And, yeah. you know, it's our prayer that um, the road that he's on will open up to that. And so it was very emotional. Mm. But at the same time, they were perfect. It's like it wasn't all emotional. Like yeah. we'd stop and then we would just praise. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so it's like four intervals maybe mm -hmm. of, of, of 64 missionaries. Wow. And so yeah. uh, it, was, it was awesome. So 64 in a two-month period, is that pretty typical? So here's the thing. We, we, we have to have 400 missionaries per year to stay on course of our current missionary status mm -hmm. on the field. So uh, I can't really answer your question of what that is yeah. each two months, but just going away, walking away with that, and I'm yeah. going back to Je what, so Jesse makes a good point: fifty thousand churches, sixteen thousand messengers. Well, I'm thinking fifty thousand churches, why not fifty thousand missionaries? <laughs> yeah, four hundred right? missionaries. And yeah. so, <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's a it's a big it's a big big yeah. task. Um, do you want to talk about? Uh, Paul Chitwood, is it Paul Chitwood? Yeah, Dr. Chitwood is is incredible. Yeah. I just think people would want to know who, sort of who we have so, placed Mark and Courtney. You know, so what, I'll go back to uh, Dr. Platt. He took over the IMB in the worst fiscal position in the history of the International Mission Board. And that is not to throw shade towards anyone that was before him. Yeah. And it was God sent. I think. Dr. Platt's much better off as a pastor. I think everything that happened there is for our better. But Dr. Chitwood came in, and so just for the Tennesseans or, or the Appalachian people, yeah. he's a Jellicoe guy. He sounds just like us. He talks just like us. And that doesn't necessarily matter. But, man, his heart is so pure. And what a lot of our church members don't know is that when Mark and Courtney were in one of the peaks of COVID in training up in Virginia— is that Dr. Chitwood's wife pulled Courtney to the side. I, w I don't want to say random chance, I'll say by sovereign grace, yeah. and basically told Courtney that that is going to be the person she prays for. Wow. And so to see him up on the stage, which was like a mile away from us, <laughs> yeah, he was literally. like this big, but to see him, listen to him, and thinking, man, his wife took her in and took that family in, knowing she was with, with child at the time, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was very, very emotional just taking all that in. But yeah, I mean, a huge, huge fan of Dr. Chitwood, not from a fanboy perspective, yeah. but just simply, this is who we need at this time, right? Yeah. Amen. Uh, let's, let's talk about um, the third question. And this one, you know, I'll lean more towards you, Randy. Um, tell me about the resolutions, what we mean by resolutions, and, and sort of what were the resolutions that you think were probably um, maybe the most important ones um, for members of our church to know what was said at the conference, what, what we stood for at the conference, what yeah. we voted in at the conference. So one of the things that we get criticized about as Southern Baptists is that we make resolutions. Yeah. Um, and for good reason. A resolution is a snapshot of time of what the convention, when they meet, makes a statement on what they believe. Mm -hmm. So to put this in perspective, I think it was mid-80s, um, maybe it's 90s, 
they made a resolution that we weren't going to go to Disney World anymore, right? Because <laughs> yeah. of some liberal agenda right. that was going on with Disney. Uh, and I, I probably butchered that, but you know, resolutions are just a snapshot of time of what we stand for. Would you say that they sort of guide the Southern Baptist Church, you know, on a on a uh, pragmatic level, on a practical level? I think they're helpful from a pastoral as well as any elder or ordained yeah. leadership, even lay people for that matter, of what it is that we currently. Uh, are addressing as matters of significance, whether we agree or not, right. but as a convention. Yeah. And so what were some of those that, you know, in your mind were, were you know, of the most importance, at least for our members to, to understand? So one of the reasons that was needful for us to go to the convention, as well as I felt like a very large group, was to overturn Resolution 9 from the 2019, there was no 2020 convention. Mm. And one of the things that we learned, uh, and I know that some other folks that were much more passionate about it also learned, probably don't agree with, we can't overturn a 2019 resolution. Mm -hmm. And that being that critical race theory. Um, but there were significant resolutions that I felt that did go into place um, that were very helpful for us. And I think they were very unifying. And one of those basically was you can't, you can't overturn Resolution 9, but there was a resolution that was passed on the sufficiency of Scripture on how we will determine all worldly or secular means of analyzing. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about, the four of us, was is that we, we didn't know what critical, I didn't know what critical race theory was until 2019. Mm -hmm. There was an article that was published, I think it was from the Gospel Coalition, uh, two months before the convention, and it, to me, it made my brain hurt. I didn't even read it. Yeah. I mean, I started reading. I tried to, but there, the point from the resolution committee was: is there always could be another thing that comes along. So yeah. they didn't necessarily try to just put that. There was an amendment from the floor to add comma critical race theory. We voted for that to be added in. It did not pass. Yeah. My opinion was it was 50%. The people running the stage did not think it was that. Okay. And that was, you know, there's, you got to imagine, like we said, Dr. Chip was that big. <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead. This room, you know, just to give you some perspective, uh, you know, we are in a room that seriously you can't see the other side of. I mean, it is, we talked about it. I think we figured out like maybe twice to the front of the room and back would have been about a mile. I mean, it was it was a huge, yeah. huge room. 17,000 people, standing room only. I mean, it was a huge room. And so, yes, I, you know, I do, I, I, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm going to make the joke. My wife laughed and said, uh, you know, and of course we're voting with paper ballots. Like they call for a vote and, you know, like in church here, we, we say, you know, I, whatever, yeah. whatever. So you raise your paper ballot in the air and then, you know, there's a stage full of people and they monitor and they say, okay, you know, that looks like so 50%, 30%, whatever. And then, you know, they call the vote. Yeah. And so it's... So, so that was resolution two and it was a resolution on race. That's the name of the resolution. So I think that needs to be pointed out that even though critical race theory was not 
amended in there, regardless yeah. of how we felt. Yeah. Maybe not in name. Exactly. But. It was, and it overwhelmingly passed. I think 90% people voted for it, yeah. which I thought was a great statement from our convention that we only believe that the Word of God is how we deal mm -hmm. with the matters of anything, yeah. especially race. Uh, then there was uh, Resolution 3, again, that um, probably 95% where we voted that taxpayer funds should not be used for abortion. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, the, the commentary that exists out there that is saying that we are drifting to the left is just false commentary. Yeah. I mean, we, we would sit at dinner at night and we would talk about this. We were, we were against critical race theory. We are for the sufficiency of scripture. We believe that the scripture is infallible. We are at all points against abortion. You know, there were so many of these levels that's getting communicated that was just completely unfair. And then as far as like resolution four, that was the, in regard, it was a response to what Congress has passed in uh, the Equality Act. Mm -hmm. And again, it was a resolution where we say, we don't agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> we simply do not agree with the government taking a position of the LGBTQ and whatever follows that uh, position uh, that we that we agree with these things that are not biblical in yeah. regards to sexuality and the home. Uh, we feel we are very connected as a church. We're very connected as pastors to a pregnancy center, mm -hmm. as well as we're tied to adoption agencies. And we don't think anyone should be able to adopt children. To me, yeah. that's that's a very important matter to talk about. Yeah. And so, and our convention was overwhelmingly on board with this. Uh, yeah. I hate to use the word conservative as I said Sunday night because I don't want conservative to be mixed with politics from the American right. perspective. But we as a convention are conservative on the sufficiency of scripture, yeah. overwhelmingly. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's timely because I think that there are, you know, some movements, some rumblings in our nation that I think could have a real possibility of, you know, some change coming in, in those areas, especially uh, around abortion. And so I think, you know, the SBC at least uh, is carving out um, a way for, for Christians to, to navigate that, not just Baptists, but Christians in general, I think, are looking for a, a light in the darkness, in that particular situation, some sort of hope. Any other resolutions? Yeah, there's two more that I want to mention. Resolution 5 was uh, basically a resolution on the sexual abuse. Uh, any pastor who has uh, been found guilty of sexual abuse, the resolution passed that they no longer have the ability to be a pastor. Now, we are autonomous, so Lincoln Avenue has to go make that decision. Yeah. This is a huge move for our convention. Because, you know, we believe in the reconciliation. We re believe in the repentance. We believe that a man or woman can fail and come, in, you know, back into graces with God through repentance and all of that. But we don't believe that people who are once entrusted in the faith and ordained, mm -hmm. once you get to a certain area, such as sexual abuse, you've lost that right to serve there. And again, that overwhelmingly passed. And another one I would mention was Resolution 8. And I, I need Wendy here. Uyghur genocide. The Uyghur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the largest Protestant. And this is one that will not make the New York Times. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. This was the largest Protestant denouncement 
of that genocide in the entire world. If I'm not mistaken, we are even from the Catholic Church on it, but I don't hold me to that. I mean, this was a huge, huge move that will never get the headlines, but basically, and also of that genocide, I think it's two million Muslims have been murdered. Mm. So this was not a Christian right. response. Yeah, yeah. This is a humanitarian. This is simply caring about people type of response. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that is, the, the Uyghur concentration camps and all that? For you can go right ahead. I mean, yeah, I mean, basically what they were doing was, you know, the Chinese government has taken people in much much worse and probably than what we know of Nazi history, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the raping of women, the killing of children, the selling of children into slavery, the killing of men. um, Uh, uh, What do they call it? Re... uh naturalization or repatriation or whatever they're you know brainwashing these people yeah. uh, you know making them denounce the religion yep. um, all that uh, it, it's as far as I can understand it's all based on their religion correct it's, it's, yeah so. the Uyghurs it's a it's a it's an entire people group yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. all right um, so the last sort of question and then I'll, I'll you know let you guys talk for a minute um, part one, I don't think we can have a conversation without talking about the presidential election. Mm. Um, and, and you know, since the convention in the couple of weeks that, that it's, since it's been, there's been a lot of, of controversy uh, surrounding Ed Litton. Um, and so, you know, I want you to talk about the, the presidential election and what that experience was like, but then I also uh, want to give you, Brother Randy, a chance to kind of just talk to our people about, you know, what do we do with the controversy surrounding, you know, Sermon Gate, maybe his wife preaches, <laughs> you know, there's there's all of these things that, that are going around about sure. him. So yeah. can you can you clear the air for us and, and give us a little bit of confidence in who our who our new president is or you know, maybe vice versa. I'll leave that up to you. Yeah, so I want to answer all that. I'm going to let Jesse talk about the voting <clears throat> process, but i got to mention this. So we didn't know how to use the ballots, right? <laughs> and this is so funny because, you know, <clears throat> ballot number one was the first thing that we voted on. Makes sense, right? Ballot number one. And when it comes time to vote, and I don't even remember what that was, some amendment to a resolution or something yeah. like that, right? And, you know, we we knew probably the presidential vote might be next. We didn't know what was next, but we're getting kind of close up to lunch. Mm-hmm. And then Wendy looks in her book, and she had ballot number three. So ballot two was stuck to her one when she had voted on that. And to see the the pure stress and worry in her stressed us all out, you know? Yeah. So we were sitting there hoping for another amendment. Like, let yeah. there be another amendment, you know? And then he gets up and he says, okay, turn to ballot 13. Because yeah, <laughs> so, he's like, some of you turned in number two. Yeah. And they <laughs> but if you want to talk about that whole pro- yeah. voting process. Just real quickly, you know, it was crazy. Uh I've, you know, and that's what Wendy said. She was like, we're in a room full of people that probably think the last uh, presidential election, uh, national presidential <laughs> election was stolen. And here we are voting on paper ballots and somebody's scanning the room, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, the only thing that I want to say about this, and it goes back to that oppression that I talked about outside. It just it makes me sick that it is so evident what is happening and to me, it is literally the American political system 
has bled into this church foundation or this church denom- uh, what's the word conference yeah this this convention and it's it's nothing but political strategies and defaming people and you know digging up what little dirt you can and just saying whatever you can say to undercut somebody and it's it's sickening it's sickening and just like what Randy preached about Sunday I'm I'm worried about those people because they're attacking the church. Mm-hmm. They're molesting the church. That's what it is. And I know that there are faults in all of that. There are. But it it worries me that people are willing to do what they're doing, mm-hmm. I guess. It just <clears throat> Yeah, so you know stepping back a notch, um you know, I went to the convention with the intention to vote for Al Mohler. I spoke a little about that during my messenger report, so I won't go into that. But Dr. Al Mohler, huge influence on my life personally and in so many ways impacted my life. And, you know, I, I told our church, I kind of let us down on this subject because that's all I had really thought about. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew of Mike Stone. Um, our church is on the founders.org Um church directory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Founders has been a huge resource for me. They're Reformed Baptists, for those that don't know that. And um, Tom Askell, you know, I subscribe to his um, podcast and and uh, Jared Longshore. But they, they backed Mike Stone. And so yeah. that's the only reason I actually knew who Mike Stone was, just listening through them. Um, but as we got closer and closer to the convention, I did get a little concerned with some of the backings of Mike Stone. Yeah. But again, I didn't really think nothing about it because I was like, I'm going to go vote for Al Mohler. Like when you go to vote on November 4th or whatever, you know, you're just voting. And, yeah. and, and I should have known better because in 2016, um, Dr. Greer and Dr. Gaines um, were two of the finalists of maybe four or five, and they had a runoff. And I forgot all about this. Again, never been to a convention, but I knew about that happening. And Dr. Greer and Dr. Gaines went to a back room, and Dr. Greer told him, he said, um, you know, for the sake of unity, I'm stepping out. You should be the president. Well, then in 2018, um, J.D. Greer was elected as our president. And probably if he knew he was going to have to do it for three years through all the things he's went through, he probably went and fought for that 2016 election. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Um, and so uh, I, I just didn't... I didn't process all of that. Yeah. And then as we voted for that and we're kind of waiting and we're going through all this other business stuff, because like you vote for something and you go right back to business, mm-hmm. but you can't, you can't elect officers until the president's been named. And so we were, I guess we're back in resolutions and that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, this is the day we didn't get to eat lunch. <laughs> this is the day we got hangry, right? Uh, and so then, I start, I'm, I'm, I'm in the convention, but I'm also following on my phone with people I trust, you know. Right. Um, and I began to start reading on here that a runoff was more than likely because there was four candidates and there were uh, two very strong ones. Mike Stone actually had more votes in the first voting round than any of the people there. Uh, Ed Litton was number two, Al Mohler was number three. One of the things that sparked, I feel like, this is my opinion, Ed Litton's votes was the nomination speech uh, that was given. And that nomination speech, 
Uh, Dr. Luter gave, he's our first African-American president of the mm -hmm. Southern Baptist Convention. If you could not amen him or enjoy his, his nomination, uh, then, you know, your wood's wet. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was not political at all. It was very Southern Baptist-esque, very missional focused, very getting back to who we are as a people. Uh, which Dr. Luther's gifted in that. Yeah. And, um, and so where I felt like, um, I felt like probably Dr. Stone's nomination, to be honest with you, was a little more political centric. It's the conservative Baptist network mentality. Yeah. Uh, Al Mohler's was by H.B. Charles. He's, he's one of my heroes. Yeah. I mean, it was, those were great. Um, but there definitely was a, the conservative Baptist network definitely had a large contingency there that was on that position. Yeah. All that being said and done, I start reading through this. We begin talking as the four. We're going to have a runoff. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, when they come back and they gave results, we have a runoff. My position, I'll let Jesse speak for himself, my position on voting for Dr. Litton, who I knew very little about, was more, it's, 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 it's a lot like I vote for for the United States president. It was a vote against somebody more than it was for somebody. And again, I don't want to run down Mike Stone because I don't know him personally. Right. But he was a part of the executive committee that decided not to release the information regarding 11 sexual abuses. Yeah. That's just fact. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a lot of other things that was going on during that time. There was a confrontation that took place in the hallway, the two different groups wanted to argue about on social media. That happened. It really happened. You can't deny the fact of the Conservative Baptist Network, as well as Mike Stone's position on the executive committee, that refused to share that information and open up that transparency, right. which our convention made it abundantly clear we're not for. Exactly. So now there's a third party investigation that's happening. That came from mm -hmm. regular folks like us voting that. Demanding through. transparency. That was the overarching theme for, you know, yeah. many of the, the, the resolutions and the, the motions that were made that it was about transparency, whether it be salaries or, uh, you know, abuse allegations or, you know, whatever it may be. It was so I reached out to people across the state, won't say names, before I went and right. asked, what is the feeling of who our next president will be? And one of the responses that I saw a couple of times was, Mike Stone is campaigning really hard for it. Maybe that's not true, but I just couldn't. I knew that Ed Litton came with liberal connotations. Right. Whatever that means, right? But Poli I just, political liberal connotations. Yeah, not, because he's been a yeah. he has been a voice for ra racial reconciliation. Right. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, in the Southern Baptist Convention, if you are talking about race a lot, you are considered a liberal. Yeah. There are some who are liberal in many ways who are in that regards. I don't know the guy. Yeah. Again, that's the reason I voted the way that I voted. Yeah. But one thing that people need to understand is that our president is a two-year term. They don't get paid. Mm -hmm. They stay as a pastor or whatever their job is. Al Mower would have stayed the president of Southern Seminary. They basically helped, like Ed Litton, his first responsibility was to create a committee to go and figure out how we're going to do this third-party investigation. Yeah. That's what their real world is. Now, something happens, Fox News, CNN, NBC, CNBC, CBS, 
that's who that's who's going to be on the television representing your convention. Right. Yeah. So so Ed Litton wins, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, close or not? Oh, wow, I think it was fifty-two forty-eight. Yeah. So really close. Yeah. Right. And so. So since that moment, so you had the molar votes had to went a lot of them went of them towards too, yeah. to Lytton. to Lytton, yeah. yeah. So you have so you have almost immediately after it's clear that Ed Litton is going to be the next president, mm-hmm. uh, you have the beginnings of controversies, <laughs> and it literally has not stopped mm-hmm. since that moment. Um, you have, you know, I've read articles where that say that um, his wife preaches at his church. I've read articles that say that he uh, plagiarizes sermons. I've read articles that say all sorts. There's, I mean, there's just it's been nothing but backlash. Sure, M- much of it, I hate to say, it can be found on. Founders.org, yeah, um, you know, which is not necessarily the greatest thing. I don't think, you know. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So, so talk to us a little bit about. I know you don't know him. I know you probably never listened to the man preach. How do we have confidence uh, in in him? Uh, should we have confidence in him? How do we move forward? cut through the controversy for us? Yeah, so that's a great question, Heath. There's so many angles I want to come through on that. Mm-hmm. So I hope I don't lose train of thought here. The first thing, I, I, want, I want to respond to the founders.org thing. The reason that our, I put our church on founders.org church directory is Dr. Tom Nettles, as well as Dr. Tom Askell and Jared Longshore and many other contributors. When they speak of scripture, our soteriology is completely in line. Yeah. Our Reformed faith is completely aligned. And so the goal of that is that when people visit Cock County or even Gatlinburg or whatever, that they can come to a place, and we may not be 100% what people have in mind as Reform, but we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, inerrancy of Scripture, and we are verse by verse for the most part in our teaching. And that is, you know, we have seen... We have seen Fruit, from fruit of that, absolutely, of that, yeah, absolutely. Know. So, so I can't, I can't speak on either of those two parties and where they're coming from. And I'm, I, I'm so much more concerned about what's happening here. Right. I have learned one thing about going to the convention, though, and that is, I need to do a better job of watching my tongue in the critici- criticizing of people I really don't know and know a lot about. Yeah, amen. And so. Uh, J.D. Greer is a guy that I was excited about when he became president. I was very discouraged at times while he was president. Uh, I thought he finished very well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dr. Moore is a guy that uh, I've quoted Dr. Moore's book on Matthew 4 as much as any book that I can think of. Uh, there were things I disagreed with him. I was glad that when he did step down. Uh, but again, I don't know the man. Yeah. you know, And so I, I, I need to be much more careful in those regards and I can't get caught into the political arena that Jesse and I saw living out there I don't want to be a pundit I don't want to just be pulled in to that kind of stuff so it was immediately after he was elected that we saw the video uh, or at least I saw the video that night of him and his wife doing a co-sermon together 
So which immediately blew into, and I'm not going to defend this man. I don't, I'm not going to criticize him. I'm not going to defend right. him. I'm just going to tell you my perspective of it. So the next morning, I, I, I woke up like 6 o'clock in the morning, and um, I, I went. I, as yeah. soon as I got a shower, and I, I went over to the convention hall. You still have two days of convention after this, right? We had one more. One, one more. morning, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we sat in hard plastic seats for 10 hours, and so my goal was for us to get pa- padded chairs. I mean, yeah. that's the most Baptist thing I could do. <laughs> And so I just, I just went, you know, and I texted Jesse, and I was like, hey, uh, when you guys are ready, you know, here's where I'm at or whatever, and, and, and Lori as well. And um, I, I walked into the hall, and I saw a, a man that I know. Uh, he doesn't live around here, but uh, Jesse and I actually met him at the Tennessee Baptist Convention a few years ago, and we just started talking. And he was like, so what's your feeling of this convention so far? And I was like, man, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm just blown away by it. I've had a great time. And he's like, well, I just don't believe in women preachers. And I was like, none of us do. We've made that abundantly clear. We're a complementary convention. And he's like, we just voted for a president that believes in women preachers. And I was like, okay, if that's what you think, and maybe that's true, I just simply don't know on that. There was a sermon that took place where both of them were standing in the pulpit. Um, it is, I, I don't really know what else to say to that other than that. Um, as far as the plagiarizing of sermons go, um, I think that when it comes to preaching, um, there is the, the only plagiarizing that we should be doing is we should be plagiarizing the apostles and the prophets mm-hmm. to death. Amen. Um, I do think that there are natural tendencies in our preaching that are forms of plagiarizing. Yeah. Just simply um, cadences, mm-hmm. <laughs> even the cadence of how we preach. Um, uh, and things that we've heard that's embedded within our minds. Yeah. But I think that we should always give credit to sources as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I've heard Ed Litton's re- rebuttal to the plagiarism he's been accused of. Uh, I listened to the podcast through uh, the SBC weekly podcasts uh, that Jonathan Howe does. I appreciated his response to it. Here is what I would say. The, and this, is, this shows you the politics that's involved in it. Mm-hmm. You've got a group that wants to defame this man. If, I, if Ed Litton was sitting here right now, here's what I would tell to him. <laughs> I have no problem the fact that you quoted J.D. Greer, who actually uh, quoted, um, oh, I can't think of her name, Mrs. Wilkin, it, it, it was one of a great author, Jennifer Wilkin. Golly, I can't think of her name. I, I don't remember. She, she's a fantastic. J.D. Greer. She's a fantastic author. Uh, our women have done Bible studies by her here. She's a great author. She's a and very intelligent, godly woman. Yeah. But he actually was quoting Jen Wilkin. Okay. In the sermon, and Ed Litton was quoting that, yeah. but didn't give credit to either. Yeah. But here's the real issue. My problem with all of this is the same problem I have with J.D. Greer. It's his sermon on Romans 1. That's what's not got talked about. And that was one of the things that when J.D. Greer was our president, that I really began to start stepping back a little bit. And because it created confusion Again, J.D. Greer finished well. I think he made it abundantly clear where he stands on sexuality, where he stands on the sanctity of marriage and the home. 
But go, what I would challenge anyone, and you can go do this, go to the summit, pull up his Romans 1 study and listen to it for yourself. No one's talking about that. No. They're talking about plagiarism. I've quoted John MacArthur many times, not quoted, not give John MacArthur credit. Oh, yeah. If you listen to most of my sermons, you'll probably find it somewhere on uh, Grace to You or yes. Desiring God or yes. Monergism.com. So, I so mean, I, I'll give you a real life one here. Romans chapter 8 is the greatest book of the, the uh, greatest chapter of the book of Romans because it begins with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. That's H.B. Charles. The, we, we it's lean just, on. It's fact. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? I mean, it's, well, it's factless yeah. for upcoming. I would never encourage plagiarism of any sort. Right. I would never encourage anybody to sit down and write their sermon based off another person's sermon. Uh, that's not good. You need to write your sermon by what God's word says and by the people who are sitting. God has put, entrusted you, whether you are the pastor or the visiting minister that day, mm-hmm. to speak to those sheep, right? Mm-hmm. But what has not got talked about is that Romans 1 study itself. And Mark is actually the guy I would give credit to for this because two, three years ago when J.D. Greer preached on Romans 1, Mark sent it to me, asked mm. me to listen to it, wanted my feedback on it. Yeah. And it was very confusing. And we're, we're, the section that we're talking about, just so people are clear, is once you get past, I think it's verse 24, Romans chapter eight. I mean, Romans chapter one, verse eighteen. Um, For the wrath of God is revealed, revealed again, uh, from heaven uh, on all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Right, and then so you get about to twenty four, twenty five, and it begins to start talking about some sexual right. things that happen within a culture. Right, and so you see homosexuality that takes place in there, and it's very diluted. It's very confusion. That's all I will say about it. When you listen to J.D. Greer preach that, and that's where he quotes Jen Wilkin. That we should only, um, you know, whisper what the Bible whispers or something like yeah. that. And that don't I, I can't remember exactly. Like we shouldn't scream what the Bible exactly, only exactly. About. Yeah. And which I agree with the context of the thought, but the where he goes in that sermon, I don't think yeah. is a true exegesis of the scripture. And and she's not a pastor. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and, and, and she's she's not got a, a flock that yeah. is. Maybe she does. I don't know, but she shouldn't. Have a flock that you know is hanging on on her. Yeah, on her. I think JD was giving the he did not plagiarize. He gave the right credit. Yeah, and I think it's okay to even quote a woman. Don't get me wrong on that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, just it's the context and the way that he sees Romans one is not how I see Romans one. And if the conservative Baptist network stood for what they say they stood for, they'd be more concerned about that than what Ed Litt, Ed Litton's not going to be a president in two years. Yeah, right. Right. What do we believe Romans 1 yeah. says? Romans 1 is still so, going to be exactly. yeah. God's this Word. Is, this is where I come from as a Baptist or as a minister or as a simply as a pastor of this church is what do we believe and why do we believe it? Yeah. That will always matter more to me than who our president is or any political thing that takes place, mm-hmm. any resolution. Who are we? And I think that is what Al Mohler Going back to him, and another reason I voted for him, if you, re, you go back and you can see his video on the eight points of why what he would do as president, it's time for a new Baptist faith message. Mm. Who are we? Yeah. What do we believe? And I think that would help 
get rid of a lot of the politics in it. Amen. May 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 not have fifty thousand churches. But said <laughs> probably. Yeah, you're probably right. It might be down to four hundred churches. Yeah. <laughs> but sending four hundred missionaries. <laughs> there can't be. There can't be uh, confusion. No. He's not. God is not the author of confusion. Amen. And what I hear both of you saying is based off of what the what the messengers did during the convention that we should have every confidence in our convention mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, yeah and that we should uh, this being a southern baptist is not uh for our shame but amen. it should be for our encouragement amen um, and i think our people need to hear that because they see what we see they see the the negativity yeah so i had some things here and i know i'm, I'm going a little bit long here but you know some things that i just mentioned you know i gave seven points of mm-hmm. things i wanted people to know about the southern baptist convention southern baptist messengers have more authority than anyone in the convention and are more unified than divided mm-hmm. now on the presidential election it's it's like any election yeah but when it comes to the matters that really mattered you know we are completely unified uh, Southern Baptists are completely united on accomplishing the Great Commission by the raising and training and sending of unlimited missionaries. Also, we demanded executive committee transparency. Mm-hmm. The group that has the most authority over our cooperative dollars and the establishment, it's basically your CEO and board of trustees of a major company. Yeah. I mean, I hate to use that type of term, but we demand to have that clarity. And also, we're completely unified on critical race theory or any unbiblical means of approaching race. Um, our six seminary presidents, they reflect the convictions of the local church better That's than huge. any mm-hmm. group huge. within yeah. the entire Southern Baptist Convention. That's no knock on IMB or NAM. They have their own responsibility. But these are the ones that are training pastors. Yeah, amen. And just to listen to them talk was so encouraging. They didn't, mind, they didn't mind to speak on critical race theory. They didn't mind to speak on homosexuality. They were asked from the floor by messengers. Just, you could have went up there and asked Dr. Al Miller any question you want to ask him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and they were clear. They were asking him. <laughs> they were, oh, yeah, they absolutely asked him. And they were very clear in where they stand. And so that was extremely exciting. Uh, and, but then again, going back to missions, we're the greatest, we have the largest and the best. And I don't say that with pride. Yeah. I say that with humility and also Mark and Courtney's experience. We're the largest and the best of sending missionaries to the ends of the earth. Yeah. We are way behind on how many we are sending, but we're good at mm-hmm. what we do. Uh, the majority of messengers were looking for leaderships who reflect the Baptist faith and message and SBC Live. That was completely obvious. Um, at times, there were tensions in the room. But the overwhelming response of all of the debates that did not make the news, they came with great charity. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was love in the room, even in the moment of tensions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I could disagree on something and be, can have convictions on what we do. But if we do that in charity, God is glorified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And we saw that. We saw that happen. We saw that happen multiple times. Um, and then the last thing that I'd mention in our church is the world was watching. And, and what was oftentimes put on social media was not a true representation of what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I've even learned since then, or even thought about this more since then when I shared it with our church, maybe we're more important than we thought. Mm-hmm. For the world to be that concerned about what we were doing, yeah. 
as a bunch of Baptists. Um, hey, and I say we are important, not as individuals, yeah, specifically yeah. the convention itself. Um, man, God is doing and something. to be absolutely missing. right. If God, if there's not controversy and adversity, mm-hmm. are we worth? Right. Or wait and solve. That's, that's what I was saying. And to be misrep- and to be misrepresented in the way that we have been yeah. is, you know, somewhat encouraging, I guess. You know, if you can see the Well our Lord was. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we can't uh, have all joy, right? That's right. You know, I and to to tag on what Randy's saying, you know, there is no you know, and I, I don't say this the way that it means there's no confidence in Ed Litton. Yeah. There is no confidence in the executive committee, but there is confidence in the members of the church. The yeah. members, mm-hmm. there is confidence. And they made, they, it was like dad putting his foot down. Yeah. That's really what a lot of it felt like. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so that's just the way it was. We, you know, put our foot down, and, and that is where the confidence is because we have called for transparency and now they have to deliver. And I think, too, you know, just going with what Jesse said, and, and I feel guilty even saying this because I've only went one time, but the takeaway from this was, you know, you, you want to really talk about or be concerned about the Southern Baptist Convention? Get to Anaheim next summer. Mm. Yeah. I mean, get there. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, whether you're a member of our church or a member of another church, you know, figure out a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Get that representation there. Your vote counts. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. I've had an awesome time talking with uh, with our pastors here and, and, and hearing about the conference. It's a, maybe a little longer than we thought it was, but, but I hope that the takeaway for each of you as you listen to this sometime this week is that uh, what an encouragement it is. Uh, to be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, that we're going in the right direction, uh, and that um, that God is being glorified all throughout our nation and nations across the world because of the work that's being done uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. So um, that's it for us. We will um, we will sign off now. Anything you guys want to say to end us off, to finish us off here? good. (laughs) Well, we love you guys. We're praying for you each and every day. Please let us know if we can do anything for you. See you later.